On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Much thanks to everybody for the downloads and participating on the Facebook page. We're always enjoying all your your uh, music that you share with us. And uh, with me as always, Jason, what is up? Hey, Brian. I am uh, doing pretty well this evening, man. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. If they only knew. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I can't say. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, uh, we uh, want to talk about, you know, uh, we see these regional scenes you know, in the country, even though it's like social media, the scenes kind of on social media, there still are scenes out there. And, you know, and I think people are generally familiar, more familiar, you know, people talk about Nashville and people talk about Austin and you know, Atlanta and the Muscle Shoals area and the Mississippi Delta, you know, and Memphis. And, you know, of course, all, those are all amazing places where, you know, great music has happened and people have come from. But uh, lately, the thing that we keep coming across in this podcast is going up a little bit north and that's in Kentucky. I mean, we've talked to Chris from Blackstone Sherry. You know, we've talked, you know, kind of, kind of secondhand, you know, talking to TJ and and uh, Riley from Georgia Thunderbolts with, you know, Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters taking them under his wing. And, uh, you know, the Southern Governor guys have, have spoke about it. But it, it seems like there's really something pretty amazing that either has gone on or continues to go on in that central Kentucky area. And surprisingly enough, in those rural areas, you know, and uh, – uh, you know, Edmonton, Kentucky, and in Glasgow, and it's just been uh, very, very awesome to hear about that stuff, especially from you know, it's more the rural areas and not even so much Louisville or Lexington, right? Yeah, right, not really so much from the big ones. And then I think you have the Josephines out of what Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is right. not yep. too far away from Glasgow, Absolutely. and it's yeah, close to that Tennessee, uh, Kentucky border. So Dude, what is going on in Kentucky? Is there something in the air, something in the water? But they are killing it and really pushing out some really great artists and, and, and bands. And then also, like you said before, 
taking like the Georgia Thunderbolts and bringing people in and developing them from there or Southern governor, man. Like what's up, what's up with that state? I don't know. And of course we can't forget that, you know, that Steve Gorman comes from Hopkinsville and, you know, he, uh, he went to, you know, the, uh, what is it? Western Kentucky University and uh, and Bowling Green. So yeah, I mean, and there's you know, I'm just bringing this bringing this up now. You know, uh, there's just if you go on the Wikipedia, there's just a ton of just you know, a lot of musicians and artists and whatnot from Kentucky. It's pretty amazing. It's really amazing. And you know, I don't know if it's some of those like Glasgow and Bowling Green's close proximity to Nashville. You're about hour ninety minutes away, depending you know which which city you're in. And that influence is helping out, or is it just a natural evolution or migration of music to Kentucky that you know the surrounding states have nourished, whether it's the Georgias or the Floridas or the Alabamas, you know, and Tennessees. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But it is they are really becoming a, a focal point of like emerging bands. You know, and I'm looking at this. You know, my morning jacket is from Louisville. Uh, yep. Sturgill Simpson's from Kentucky. Um, Kentucky Headhunters. Yep. Chris Stapleton, Kentucky Headhunters. The list goes on and on. Dwight Yoakam. And uh, so we had a chance to talk to uh, this younger dude from Kentucky. And uh, why don't you tell everybody who we talked to? Yep, we spoke to lead singer and guitarist from the band Otis. Uh, his name is Boone Froggett. And talking to Boone was uh, also quite amazing uh, just to find out for a young guy how steeped he is in great music. And he's, you know, when you hear him sing and he sounds like, you know, blues guy in the 60s. He does. And with some modern, like heavier rock influence on top of it. And it is a really good combination and a good sound. And like, in fact, I think they caught the attention of Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, who made some nice comments about their album. Yeah. And he's just, uh, you know, listening to that record, Eyes of the Sun, or what I've heard from it so far, I got it coming on CD and on vinyl and just uh, amazingly mature record and, and just a very stretched out, spacey, but very almanesque. Oh, there's some definitely some almanesque stuff in it where you hear not only like the, the guitars kind of playing in harmony with each other, but some of the vocals and stuff too, where, you know, there are a lot of really good um influences on that band and on on boot himself yeah I, I just i can't say enough i'm just like really looking forward to that to really taking taking that in you know deeper and sit and listen to that on vinyl absolutely um and you know the vinyl always gives it a little bit better sound too so i've been listening to their stuff on Bandcamp. you know that album on Bandcamp, it's good mm-hmm. but i need to get the, i need to get the physical physical media so yeah, we definitely he's a guy that like, you know, that we'd like to have on again and we we're talking about for the listeners out there we're talking about uh having a Kentucky Roundtable episode with maybe a couple people from around there and maybe a couple people that are not from around there but know know a lot about it or love it. So um we could all look forward to that and you know, until then we're just going to like give it, you know, straight to get straight to our interview with uh Boone Froggett from the band Otis out of Kentucky. Oh. 
Welcome to our guest segment this week on the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. We're very excited to uh, have our guest with us. And as always, I, I pitch it over to Jason to tell the listeners, you guys, who we have with us today. Hey, Brian. Thank you. We're very excited to welcome on from the great rock band Otis Boone Froggett, who's vocal and guitarist. How you doing, Boone? Doing good, man. Been been looking forward to coming on and, uh, and talking some rock and roll with you guys. And we're excited to to have you on. And I think the first thing is that we just want to talk about is that once again, here comes this Kentucky connection. I mean, we've talked to some folks in the past. You know, I know folks that you know. Uh, I first heard of you from uh, uh, Jared England from Black Mountain Prophet. Uh, he told me about you guys. I know he's in Rufus Huff as well, right? With with Greg Martin. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a really cool band. Yeah, um, and then also you know. The Georgia Thunderbolts, of course, you know, uh, Richard took them under his wing. And, you know, we had uh, we got to talk to Chris from Blackstone Cherry, you know, a couple months ago. And uh, Chris also produced a band, uh, um, Southern Governor out of Gainesville, Virginia. I don't know if you've heard those guys or seen those guys. So I just like, you want to talk about this Kentucky thing? I mean, there's something going on. There's something there. going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's something in in the water, as the old saying goes. You know, it's, we're very very blessed to be in this musical community. Uh, you know, within within the, a range of a couple of towns, we've got Blackstone Cherry, we got the Kentucky Headhunters, and uh, of course, uh, Greg Martin from the Headhunters has had a lot of great side projects as well. And uh, uh, you know, Chris at uh, Chris from Blackstone Cherry, you know, he's uh, working at at Monocle Studios, they're they're bringing a lot of bands in and you know growing the community. So it, it's a really it's a really beautiful thing. And I think what makes it work is you know you can you can go and see these guys. You can see their bus, you know, sitting down at the grocery store or whatever, you know, getting ready to leave out. And it it makes it it makes it real for all the younger bands. So like you know what, I don't have to move to L.A. or Nashville. Right. I can. I can stay right here and I can I can build it and I can I can grow it. You know, it just just makes it very tangible to have, you know, a band that's uh, Grammy Award winners. You know, that, you know, Headhunters are such a big deal in the in the ethos of country rock, uh, southern rock, uh, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, like I admit, like the only thing you know, prior to like getting into this podcast, the only thing I was familiar with them is like the, you know, the song Dumas Walker. And then I'm hearing some of these later releases or, you know, there sounds like a Skinner record. And it's like, man, you know, these guys are royalty, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're known, you know, for the, for the country rock classics, you know, walk softly. Uh, oh, Lone to me. I know all, all those great, you know, covers of old country songs, but man, you know, in the in the two thousands, man, they were they were really slamming. You know, they did a did a record called Soul that was really good. Mm-hmm. Another called Grass Strutting Ranch that was really good. And uh, in the early nineties, they collaborated with uh, legendary piano player Johnny Johnson, who was right. You know, Chuck Berry's right hand man. So, man, they've uh, they've they've proved their worth in the uh, in the in the rock and roll and country world. Something that's so fascinating is where you guys are from is it's not a huge town. I mean, I'm assuming pretty rural, but uh, in this rural setting, all these great musicians in this, you know, what you consider a scene is just there. Like you said, you see a tour bus at the little grocery store or whatever. It's pretty amazing. It is, man. It's uh, very lucky to be a part of it. And it's really it's really like a family. You know, everybody kind of checks on everybody. And this is. This has been one 
one of the few, you know, good things about the, about the pandemic is everybody's been home and, you know, we've all checked on each other and like, Hey man, what are you working on? You know, like uh, Greg Martin, he's got a, a great radio show and it's, it's been cool to be home to listen to that. And, um, uh, just be around all these different projects that are that are going on you know i've got to see get to see uh chris from blackstone cherry a couple times and uh it, it's great man so like have you so have you known everybody in that scene for like a long time or oh yeah man i mean of course i i grew up went to you know maycaf county high school and as i was coming up through school that was about the time, you know, that, you know, Blackstone Cherry's first record, you know, came out. And even before that, I remember going, you know, hearing them play at the, you know, at the, at the local middle school. And of course, you know, you, you just grew up knowing, you know, you knew who the headhunters were. You would see them, you'd see them around town and uh, it, it, through different events, you know, get to get to go see them play locally. And, you know, they're, you know, one thing that they've, that the headhunters of Blackstone Cherry has taught us is the importance of, staying around and talking to every fan that will talk to you. And that's, that's been such a big thing, you know, growing up, you know, watching those guys and those being heroes of mine, that they would take the time to, you know, to talk to me about, you know, guitars or Chuck Berry records for five minutes that, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. Just, you know, somebody that's, you know, coming up in the, in their teens, you know, trying, trying to play some music. The other thing about Kentucky, and I've heard the same about Missouri is that they're both considered, Midwest and the South, like, is that kind of an accurate way to explain, describe that? It is, it is, you know, K- Kentucky's kind of a, kind of a neutral territory, you know, it, it, it definitely is the South, but it's, it's a, oh. it's a little, little different atmosphere than, you know, Alabama or Georgia or Mississippi. It's a, that's a, that's a different, that's a different kind of feel of the, of the South than Kentucky is. So can you talk about your, you know, you come from a musical family with, you talk about your grandfather and your, and your dad and what they did to yeah. influence you? Yeah. I mean, I had a really interesting uh, musical upbringing. My grandfather was a, was a bluegrass fiddler and uh, my dad, he was really into like uh, Buck Owens, West Coast honky tonk stuff. So that's kind of, that's when I, kind of when I grew up listening to, I didn't really hear a whole lot of rock and roll early on. And then, um, I guess I was maybe, you know, 15, 16. My dad turned me on to B.B. King and the Fabulous Thunderbirds. And it's just like something clicked. It's just like the, a whole new world opened up for me at, at that point. And uh, I never really, especially as a kid, I, I never really listened to anything real current. You know, I was always, you know, listening to what my grandfather was listening to or what my dad was listening to. So it was just di- getting getting exposed to it you know, a, a real, little different class of stuff than, you know, what my peers were. And I think that's what that's what makes you uh, different as a player. You always you always keep drawing on those childhood influences. Of course, you build on that and you learn and you get yourself. But, you know, that stuff is always there. So at what point do you pick up a guitar and like how how soon after that are you thinking about starting a band or when did you start and when does when did Otis start and how did that come together? Man, I started playing playing guitar and I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And then, uh, Otis started happening when I was, you know, 16 or 17, we, we went through some lineup changes and more or less kind of gave us our own artist development before we, before we really took off. We wanted to take the time and figure out what kind of band we wanted to be. And then, uh, and then, and then go out and do it. And then our, uh, our first record, uh, 
Tough Times, which is a tribute to John Brim, who is a blues guy from Kentucky who uh, migrated up to uh, Chicago and got on Chess Records. This has been, you know, along the same time in the 50s, along with Muddy Waters and, and Howlin' Wolf. We did a tribute record to him using his lyrics and our own musical arrangements, and that was uh, produced by Greg Martin, and that came out in uh, 2015. So that's, that, that's, that's, that's when things kind of started getting serious. Right. And then uh, you added Steve as the other guitar. Was that after that, or? Oh no, he 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 was on that album. He was okay. definitely a, a driving force on on that record. Yeah, we we, we did the three piece thing for a little while, and um, I met Steve. We were we were working at the at the same place, and uh, I invited him out to jam, and we 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 just clicked. It's a it's really interesting the way Steve and I play together. And I've really kind of took some more time to appreciate it as we've been off and I've been going through some, you know, uh, live recordings and demos stuff to kind of, you know, appreciate what we do as a band. And we, we, we play very aggressively, but we don't we never really play on top of each other either. And we've kind of we've kind of made an art out of that. And we we were doing that just from from right out the gate. So it's a I'm really, really proud of the chemistry that, that Steve and I have on guitar. You know, I've been chatting with, uh, like we mentioned, Carrie earlier, now D Frost. Um, yeah. So it's a turn. You you were a drummer first. I did. I started out as uh, as a drummer. As uh, as I said before, my dad had this you know honky tonk thing going on. My grandfather would come out and jam, and it was just like it's just kind of like what you did. You know, they they never asked me if I wanted to play music. I just knew, <laughs> you know, it's time to play. It's the weekend. You know, it, it's time to play music. So I, so I started out. As a drummer, uh, you know, doing that, and uh, you know, I, I found out very quick that my my true calling wasn't on the drums. But I'm very thankful for the for the timing it gave me because when I started out, all all he would give me was a, a snare and a bass drum. And he said, "Man, once you get your timing down and you and you master this, then you can start adding other elements in." So I'm I'm very thankful for that for that sense of timing that that I learned uh, starting out on drums. Like How does Dave that- Grawl of Southern Rock, man. <laughs> that's funny how does that uh uh, factor into your guitar playing at all if it does oh yeah it's a it's usually important in your timing especially where we're where we're influenced by so much you know soul and blues music all that stuff is you know played right in the pocket and uh timing timing is everything if you don't have time and you you just need to stay at the house you know Boone, so do you consider yourself more the rhythm player or a lead player? Are you guys both lead players? Uh, we're we're definitely both both lead players. Uh, we we kind of go toe to toe with each other through throughout the whole show, and it's yeah. uh, it's it's it, it it's a lot of fun. But I mean, we have we're we're completely you know in, interchangeable on on that level. You know, uh, you know, there's there's sections where I play a lot of rhythm stuff, and and he takes it over, and and vice versa. Yeah, and I was just kind of curious, too, on that. Like, one, your new album or, you know, the album you guys released a couple years ago, Eyes of the Sun, is great. There are some great dual lead parts. There's places where you guys play in harmony. Really like that. And, you know, going back to Brian's question is, how did your time as a rhythm, as a drummer, really, you know, does that really affect your rhythmic playing at guitar or anything else? Oh, yeah. And you, you, you especially if you if you start out on on drums or you feel that time and it's just like it's something you're tuned into just, what the drum, right? The drum or the bass player is doing. 
Yeah, and I've, I've found, you know, as I've evolved as a guitar player, that I really play off the drums more than I do any other instrument. To yep. Where the bass and guitar is kind of a accompaniment, but if it, if you've got the if you got the right drummer, man, and he can really lead you, you know, the 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 truth is the drummer's driving the bus in, in any rock and roll band. That's just that. So it, it's been I've been told that you guys are pretty much telepathic on on stage you and steve did you say that's yeah absolutely absolutely we don't we we don't have to not that we don't have to work at it but during in the heat of the moment we really don't have to think about it we just kind of naturally let those moments happen you know we have we have a structured part of the song and then we have a moment to where all right things can we we can groove a little bit here. Let, let's see where this goes, and that's kind of that's kind of where the magic happens in, in a live setting. Kind of giving giving folks something that they're not quite expecting. So how do your go ahead. Um, how do your set lists work from like night to night? Are they similar? Are they different? And I know too, it's been I've been told that you guys would call an audible here and there. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, we we do we do a lot of that, and uh, we've we, where we've been touring. Uh, quite a bit well up until this pandemic we were we were playing some longer sets as well you know doing some two and two and three hour shows so we were digging in the well of our covers quite a bit too and we'd also do you know some theme shows where we do like otis got soul or we do we do the whole uh zeppelin's first album as a second wow. set uh, some wow. nights but um yeah, yeah, that's 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 really fun to do. But now we we try to keep our set list different from night night to night. It's kind of uh, kind of like the the Almond Brothers in a sense is the Almond Brothers may play the same set list, but it's not the same show. There's always there's right. always going to be uh, surprises thrown in. I mean, and especially you know folks like Defrosting and Carrie that that see us night after night, they don't want to see the same set over and over, and we don't want to play the same show over and over either. So. Uh, we, 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 we make it uh, a little different for everybody's sanity. Hey, going back to that first Led Zeppelin album, how do you guys come up with that concept of even doing that? And then two, like, what's the best track off that album to play? I'm a big Zeppelin guy, um, by the way, you got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a, that, that's a tough question. And probably, probably my, my favorite one to play is, is probably, um, man, probably how many more times cause it's, okay. it's it, it can go. It, it can go anywhere. You, you can take that song and it's kind of a vehicle. You can, you can go anywhere with it. But um, we were, we were doing some shows uh, and we've been offered a residency and the residency thing started to grow and other venues picked up on it. And they were like, Hey, we want to do, do this residency thing that you guys are doing too. So we're like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, if we're going to play this many nights a week, let's really have some fun with it. That's really, uh, you know, give folks a reason to come out. And check out the band because we're in these same cities, you know, week after week doing this. So we were trying to make just trying to make each night uh, a little bit special. And we were already doing maybe three or four songs off uh, off Zeppelin one. Just, you know, because a lot of them are old blues. Stands, blues yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, how many more? How many more times? I can't yep. quit you, baby. Yep. Uh, there's a there's a couple others on there by Willie Dixon, but mm -hmm. uh, so we just we just started naturally doing this, and I, I brought it up. I was like, you know what, we should just do we should just do the whole album, just like as a like a conceptual set, just go through the whole thing, 
as a, as a second set. And it worked, it worked out really well. People had a lot of fun with it. We had a, a lot of new folks coming out to see us because they're like, man, you guys got some guts, you know, trying to play this Zeppelin record. So, yeah. Heck yeah. So we had, so we, we, we had a lot of fun with it. Of course we realized that we're, that we're not Led Zeppelin. And I know that's a, that's kind of a heated subject in the, in the world of new rock bands is, is, is folks trying to, sound like Led Zeppelin but you can take that music and and you can you can do your own thing with it and I think that's what it's all about that, that's what they were doing with the that's old what they were doing old, right yeah. yeah yeah they you know Robert Plant knew well that he was not Muddy Waters but he knew that he had something else to give the world and he did and you know uh, we, we all thank for it yeah heck yeah man that's that's awesome that's a great story I would have loved to man to hear you guys do that well, I'll try try to make that happen. I think I think there may be some maybe some uh, live recordings of that floating around. All right. So what 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 do your shows like look like as far as are you playing you know your own headlining shows? Are you doing any festivals? Like we're talking like before the pandemic and then after. You know, did you do smaller rooms? The opening for anybody? Like what what's your usual kind of your gigs look like? It, it was a mix, you know. We were doing the, we were doing some support slots. We were doing some festivals. We were doing some headlining shows, and uh, you know, we were doing some co-headlining shows, which I'm, I'm really disappointed that those got canceled. So looking forward to making them up. We were doing them with uh, supposed to do a co-headline tour with Jive Mother Mary, and it had right on, right on. Yeah, nice. several, several dates with it. So we we were really having fun out there with those guys, and um, we did the same thing with uh, Robert John and the Wreck. They're a, a nice. incredible. Incredible band from out in California. Yeah. We met those we met those guys in um, in Europe. We played with them in, in London, and we hit it off with them. We're like, well, when we when we get home, you know, we're gonna figure some stuff out and, and do some shows together. And we did, and uh, it really turned out nice. And, and I think that's something I'd like to see a, a lot more bands our size start doing. Is it's it's a great way to help each other out. It helps the helps the venues out. It's a win 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 for everybody because you get you get to it's it you know, uh, kind of let your following uh, get into some other other bands that's like you, like John Mother Mary or Robert John the Wreck, whoever it may be. Roy, Brian, we're hearing some of these same names of these bands repeat over and over again. We mm-hmm. just heard about Robert John the Wreck from one of our uh, Across the Seas or over the, right? With, was that from Mike or was that from Andy Southern Rose? Yeah. Across the Pond, yeah. Across the Pond episodes when Jive Mother Mary, of course, is a, a favorite of, of this podcast here. Oh, yeah, both both of those bands are, are are great. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and Boone, you do talk about like band supporting each other. That's one of the consistent things that we've also heard speaking with, um, you know, uh, Georgia Thunderbolts or um, you know, Southern Governor or all these other bands. Is how supportive everybody is to take them on their shows to kind of build fan bases amongst each other. Hey, these are my fans. I want to introduce them to your you guys so you guys have these bands it's really like a family atmosphere would you I mean, would you say that's kind of true yeah yeah even you know the the interplay between the bands and the audience the whole thing is just a it's kind of it it should be a you know a celebration it should be a family reunion anytime you play a rock and roll show because you know uh, especially now you know we have the hardest job in the world and that mm-hmm. is trying trying to unite everybody in that room for a couple of hours and you know uh it'd be a be a healer of sorts and you know and take take all these worries away so we want we want everybody to feel that uh you know a warm invitation when they come out to to a rock and roll show there there's, there's no 
there's no competition. But the, the great thing about it is uh, we, we all get to push each other. You know, if if uh, Jive and Mother Mary plays a, a great set before we go on, we're like, all right, boys, we're going to have to work hard tonight. And that's, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, uh, Blackstone Cherry say the same thing about when we've been out supporting them. It's like, you guys, man, you guys kind of kind of give us a give us extra kick, inspire us. You know, this is a this is a good thing. So, you know. From the outside, you know, this whole rock and roll business can look kind of ugly, but w- once you once you get into it, there's there's so much support from everybody. You know, it was said too from Carrie D that you said that you know we don't have fans, we have family, and it seems like, you know, I, I heard uh, I heard Charlie Starr say that like when when Blackberry Smoke started, they decided they're going to be a fans band. It was uh, from a, their live DVD from North Carolina. I can't remember. It's 2013 or 2014 or whatever, but and it seems like you know everybody's kind of follows that that follows suit with that that it is, and in, in these days is it because without these big huge record company big big huge you know music business as it was with the social media and that is it out of necessity as well? Oh yeah, man, it's 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 a big big part of of what we do when when you really look at it. Uh, where we're at in the rock and roll business is a tickets and t-shirt business. It's not, it's not as much about selling records anymore. And we all know that, you know, the whole, the whole uh, streaming thing at this point uh, monetarily is, is, it's kind of a joke for bands like us. So it really boils down to, you know, getting there at the, at that merch table and, uh, and uh, meeting these folks, you know, it, it's a big deal to us that, that they choose to spend their time, the money to come out and, and see us put on the show. That's a, that's a, that's a big, big deal. Like, like I said, that's been reiterated to us uh, very early on from the, from the headhunters and Blackstone Cherry, just, just watching how they, how they treated people. People never, they never forget if you're, if, you know, if you treat somebody well. Now, I, I would like to talk a little bit about some of the venues that you guys play, um, whether it's there in Kentucky or, or going down south to wherever, any ones in particular that stand out. I know, like, in Huntsville, Sidetracks gets a lot of, you know, a lot of shows there. Like, what any particular venue, whether it be that or somewhere in Kentucky that really stands out or somewhere you end up being playing back at or everybody plays at? Man, one of our favorite places to play is John Brown's on the Square, and that is in uh, Marion, Illinois. And we we sell that venue out every time. The guy that that owns it, he uh, he's a he was a touring musician. He he runs the sound, so he really understands uh, what what he can what he can bring. Like, times when you hear like yeah this this venue has a built-in following you're kind of like yeah okay we'll see but this guy he he really does have a have a have a you know just a lot of great people that that comes out and and sees live music regardless of who the band is and Hmm. that's a big factor in us uh selling it out each time and uh you know we uh we we hope that uh you know all all these folks that uh have, have took care of us and gave us a place to play that they're still gonna still gonna be around when we uh when we get back at it so John Brown's in where Illinois did you say? Um, Marion, Marion, Illinois. Marion, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Have you guys played either rehearse or done any studio stuff in uh, the uh, Kentucky Headhunters uh, studio? Where I think that's where you know Blackstone Sherry started started out practicing. I know we interviewed sure, yeah. uh, we interviewed TJ and we interviewed uh, 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 Riley. Riley and then TJ was there when we were interviewing him. 
Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, Barrett's recording in Glasgow, Kentucky, and David's been making rock and roll records in Glasgow for for a long, long time. You know, and it's uh, we did uh, we did uh, Tough Times tribute to John Brim there, and then we did Eyes of the Sun was all done with with David as well. And on Eyes of the Sun, we actually got to cut to two inch tape, which was an amazing experience. Wow. And uh, and that that really that that really that's where the rubber makes the road when you've got yeah, that test your metal as a musician to be able to record on tape, man. You're not punching that in. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly, exactly. But luckily, you know, in, in modern times, you can get what you need to get on tape, and then go back over to to Pro Tools it, for some 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 <laughs> edits. You know, oh, that's cheating. Best, <laughs> best of both worlds. That's yeah, right. We've, uh, we, we've uh, we've got to work with David uh, quite a bit. So um, you mentioned the studio earlier that that uh, Chris is uh, working at there. And uh, is that the same studio that Ben and John own, or is that different? I think I think uh, John owns the studio, and Chris is producing there. It's called uh, Monocle Studios. It's out in Sufferwell, Kentucky, which is out in kind of a rural area. Um, it's, it, they've got a, they got a really cool thing going there and they're bringing in uh, a lot of bands. Uh, most recently, uh, there's a band called Mojo Thunder that's, that's, that's cutting some stuff there and they're from mm-hmm. Lexington and they are, they are really good rock and roll bands. So I'm interested to see what he, what he does with that. But, you know, Chris has been producing bands for, for years, uh, working on different projects. He's, he, he's really, he's really great on that stuff. You just, you just answered a question that you need not to ask. We always ask our guests, like, who is someone, a band, musician, performer in your peer group that's been around about the same amount of time as you that we haven't heard of, you know, as we've talked about, you know, Georgia Thunderbolts, Tennessee Champagne, Magnolia Bayou, and, you know, so who, you know, Tyler Brighton, The Shakedown, all those guys. So who is someone else besides, you said Mojo Thunder, anyone else that we may not have heard of or you get, have to say, hey, man, you guys got to check this out. I, I know you've heard. I give him a shout out because I, I talked. I talk to Patrick almost every day, and that's that Southern Governor. I, I love those guys. I, mean, I do too. Co write uh, co a song with them, and it's been it's been really fun to to kind of virtually uh, go back and forth with those guys. Yeah, they're they're a good band. They got that heavy '90s like almost alt rock sound mixed with some blues and uh, Southern rock. It's great. I I enjoy that album. Yeah, it's a it's a very very unique mixture, and it's a it, the the grunge aspect is is interesting because they don't you know they're they're kind of in that part of the United States where where the whole grunge thing happened. Yep. And you know, uh, um, you guys are both you guys are kind of heavy like them too. Like on a couple songs, that kind of reminded me of them too. But earlier you mentioned the Almond Brothers, and I, I felt like I'm really hearing a huge Almond Brothers influence in Eyes of the Sun. You talk about that? Oh yeah, definitely, man. I mean, the the that's just one of those bands that that as a band that it, it completely changed our life. And uh, we we were lucky enough we got to do a residency at the Allman Brothers Band Museum, and we oh, really wow. got nice. Yeah, it, it was it was really cool. We've got to do that. We've got to play the. Uh, uh, Georgia Almond Brothers Band Association Festival. We've got to play that a couple of times. Got to got to meet J Mo. We got to meet Butch before he passed. So the the Almond Brothers are really really deep deep in our soul for you know what what they did with the what they you know they they took those old great blues songs. We're, we're this again. 
kind of like Zeppelin took the old great blues songs and put a new spin on, on it and kept it going, you know, for, for another generation. So, yeah, the Allman Brothers mean the world to us. Uh, Wet Willie, Marshall Tucker, that, that first wave of, of Southern rock is, is, is really what we're most inspired by. Now, the big question is, since you were doing all that stuff with the museum and everything, did you get to touch Dwayne's Gold Top, Les Paul? I did. I did. Oh. Steve and I both have, have uh, got, gotten to play Layla, and uh, such an amazing experience. And uh, if I don't know how much of a, a guitar junkie you are, but the, the interesting thing about that guitar, it's, it's a 1957 Les Paul, but the neck on it is thin. It's almost like an SG neck, so it's just a, it's an absolute pleasure. To, of course, you know, the history included is, is just a, the icing on the cake, as, you know, uh, Layla and other assorted love songs is one of my favorite albums of all time. Mine, too. I just did a, the R4 podcast a week or two ago, and we went over Layla. That was the album review. It was great. I'm one of the all-time greats. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, that anytime you got Bobby Whitlock singing, it's a good day. Oh, man. And his key playing, his piano playing is fantastic on that, too. Oh yeah, that's that. That's great stuff. You know, humorously, I'm trying to imagine what's that like when you're getting to play that. Is there like security and spotters and everything? <laughs> like, don't drop this guitar. <laughs> well, they they uh, they took us in, in the museum, but you know, before before it opened up, so it was just us and a couple other folks in there, and they're just <laughs> they're just like, you know, no, don't 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 play, you know, any. 80s cheesy rock licks on it just try to <laughs> no poison <laughs> yeah try, 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 try to try to play something good try to play respectful, respectful. <laughs> <laughs> of course uh, that 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 was no problem for us uh is there anything going on musically now with you guys any uh material that you're working on anything new that might be popping up some anytime soon here or later down the road or uh, things are happening, you know, we're going through a bit of a transitional phase as uh, Andrew, our original drummer, has uh, left the band. So we're figuring that out, figuring out post-pandemic touring, figuring mm -hmm. out music. So we had a, we, we've got a, a lot of music in, in the can. Uh, we So that be looking for that. Uh, th things are happening. And uh, through this pandemic, we've actually launched our own brand of coffee as well called planet otis java i have it and nice man nice it's really it. good my son and i love it good good man uh, you know we were like you know what's something that we can kind of help our help ourselves keep going you know what, what's a good commodity and we're like oh coffee we all love coffee and now since we have our own coffee brand we'll never have to drink you know flying j or pilot again <laughs> so that's a good thing <laughs> But it's a very mellow like blend. It's it's really good. How did you guys come up? Did you guys get to choose your beans? I mean, tell me all about this coffee because I honestly God love it. Yeah, uh, our uh, the other guitar player in the band, Steve. He's w was really the mastermind behind this. This uh, the. Uh, company called heavenly grounds here in, in kentucky they were just sending him samples of, of coffee like from different regions and he would he, he really spent a lot of time in, in in developing this blend and he's he's kind of a he's kind of a coffee uh, connoisseur fanatic he's he's the coffee guy out of the band so um he, he did a great job on it and, well for everybody uh, we, listening go buy it it's on their website you can get it it's really good it comes to you very quick i got it within a couple days 
Right on, man. Once again, we, we appreciate that. And uh, another thing that the band has, has going on and, and it's been going on throughout the pandemic is Steve has a signature guitar pedal out called the Steve Jewel Vibe pedal. And I have a upcoming pedal coming out called Boone's Mojo Box. And uh, that's from a local company here in uh, in Kentucky called Analog Pedals. Our, our buddy Jeff Bowen has uh, been very gracious in, in choosing us to do some signature models. And uh, Chris Robertson as well has, has a pedal out yeah. this coming. Yep. So t- tell me about your pedal then. What, what are we expecting to hear from it? I'm, I'm really excited. We're still kind of in, in the prototype phase. Um, I'm a really big fan of soul music, and I'm a really big fan of uh, early blues, like Bo Diddley, all, all that stuff. So I wanted a tremolo pedal, but I wanted uh, it to be like a frequency modulating tremolo, which is kind of like the old magnetone amps, where it's kind of like a tremolo with like a little warble to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Jeff has done a great job in, in putting this together, and I, I, can't, I can't wait to get it out there. And uh, going back to the family thing, uh, Patrick from Southern Governor designed the artwork for the pedal. Uh, we, we, we worked together on that. So I, I thought I thought that was thought that was really you cool. got to have no. cool artwork on your custom pedal. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if the if 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 the pedal don't sell it, the artwork will. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, make sure I get a link or you post it somewhere. I can see it because I'm a guitar guy. You got it, man. So when we're talking about guitars, what you want to talk about what, what you're playing mostly in your rig? Yeah, man. Um, it's uh, you know been a shame that I haven't got to got to use this guitar out more. Um, back in uh, late 2019, uh, Zamitis Guitars took me on as an artist, so they they sent me out a, a great a great metal front model, which is like what you see uh, Ron Wood playing in the faces and in the stones, you know, in a beautiful you know metal front top. And then in the spring, they sent me a uh, a hollow body, which is which is really cool. I've had wow. I've had some I've had some semi hollow guitars and yeah. and really really liked it. But this one's completely hollow and it's it's a single cut and it's man, this guitar is just monstrous through through a big amp. And I've I've had so much fun recording with it at at home and I can't wait to to take it out on the road and uh, tour with it. So a big shout out to. The Midas guitars uh, out in California for 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 taking care of me during this uh, during this deal, keeping keeping me in guitars to play. Yeah, I haven't seen a hollow. I've seen all their solo body stuff, which is like a little bit of a slim down Les Paul. But the, I mean, sure. the hollow body is cool. What kind of pickups you have in that? Uh, they are the pickups in that are are stock. Uh, I think they call humbuckers. Those, yeah, yeah, they're humbuckers. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's not doing like P nineties or anything. No, no. Uh, that that would be cool though. That would yeah. be cool. I love P90s. Yeah, L- love me some Freddie King, man. Got to have those P90s. <laughs> now Rich Robinson plays those as well. Um, how about yeah, your amp? How about your amps? I- I've got a couple of different amps out. I've got a um, I've got a Buddha 45 watt uh, out that I-, I tour with some. And then of course my my old Marshall. Uh, I love it, man. It's a it's a 50 watt. 1973 JMP and uh, I've I've had it, you know. Actually, <laughs> I took out a a farm loan to to buy this amp when I was a teenager, and and it stuck with me ever since. And uh, there's there's nothing like cranking up an old Marshall through a through a guitar, man. It's uh it, it's addictive. Yep. 
Another guitar company we want to ask you about, which of course is uh, um, going back again to to mentioning Chris Robertson, is uh, Lucky Dog Guitars. You know anything about them, or have you uh, played those at all? Or man, I haven't got a chance to play one, but man, they 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 make some some beautiful guitars, and uh, you know I'm starting starting to see those guitars uh, out, and uh, as you see them on social media, we were starting to see them out on the road, so they're obviously uh, gaining popularity and. Uh, you know, one of the great things about Chris Robertson is he can he can take he can play almost any guitar and, and floor you with it. Some some people just don't have the magic like that, but it, it just seems like he he can play a, a variety of guitars, a variety of necks, and he's still Chris Robertson every time. And um, I just uh, he's you know he's obviously been a been a, been a huge influence uh, on us if we've we've. Got to grow up around those guys. Obviously, got to got to do quite a bit of touring with them as as well. And right on, uh, love, love us and Blackstone. Right on. I thought that Patrick was playing those two. I'm not sure from Southern Governor. He had the one SG got from Chris, I think, but I don't, I don't remember if he was yeah. playing those or. Uh, he, I think, I think a friend of his is is letting him borrow that. He. Um, he put a, a video up on social media maybe like a week ago of him of him playing it. it it's it sound those guitars sound great. They look cool. Yeah. So have you done any jamming or any playing at all with Jared from Black Mountain Prophet at all? Uh we haven't really we haven't really done much jamming, uh, but I, I will tell you Rufus Huff was uh, a big big time influence on us and uh, a, you know especially especially with greg that's that's kind of what helped kind of turn us on to like johnny winter cactus all those great you know kind of unsung heroes of uh of that that, that era in rock and um yeah yeah, yeah Jared, jared's a great singer and he's a black mountain prophet is is really cool stuff as well so let's get into the blues again you know besides you know you mentioned bb king and johnny winter and muddy waters like who else who is also on your blues menu? Oh man, I could I could talk about that all day. Uh, Bobby Blue Bland, uh, Clarence Gatemouth Brown, uh, of course Albert King, uh, Freddie King. You know, just all those all those fifties and sixties blues greats, and you, I just, just can't can't get enough of it. You know, and even I've been listening to a lot of Texas blues too. I've mm-hmm. really got into uh, to Jimmy Vaughn and Mike Flanagan, and uh, you know. Uh, lightning slim just that just that whole it's like texas is just like a it's like a whole different territory when you're talking talking about blue stuff uh, i love seeing like off the jungle show that they do at antones which is like billy f gibbons and and jimmy vaughn and mike flanagan and all those folks it's uh it's really a great education on on blues music Right on, right on. I think we might be winding down here, and what I usually do is throw this to Jason, and he's going to come up with some sort of, like, whether they're music-related <laughs> questions or just whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> so take it away, Jason. <laughs> so, yes, thanks, Brian. It is, it is that part of the show where I just get to do some, some random stuff. So we'll do a couple lightning round questions and then maybe a little bit more thought-out stuff. Cool. So, all right. Um, favorite blues artist of all time? BB um, King. Okay. Favorite rock man of all time. Oh man, that's that's a tough one. Man, probably I was uh, you know 
our bass player and I were talking about this the other day. As far as like the most solid, consistent rock band, probably the greatest live rock band in the world is probably Aerosmith. Nice. Nice. Okay. If you could play with any rock band at any point in any time, who would it be? Oh man, that's 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 or any artist. How's that? You can do your blues any, guys too. Any artist, man. And I think I think it would have been really cool to play some guitar with Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, just just to go back and forth with him. That had that you know this monstrous vocal. What a what a singer. What's the one piece of gear that you want that you don't have? Oh, man. That's that's another tough one there. I really like to have an old Echoplex, you know, like that actually has a tape machine in yeah. it. You know, like uh, Jimmy Page, all those guys used. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Nice. Give us a band, artist, or song that you like that we would be surprised that you like. Uh, hmm. The more embarrassing, the better on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been, uh, you know, I, I still been listening to a lot of Charlie Pride lately. I don't know if it's it's because you know he he passed recently, but man, w- once in a while you just got a good you got to hear some good steel guitar, good country song. Don't disagree. What's the one band right now out there that's just wowing you that you hear them every time? Oh man, I love. Uh, Thinking about that one. Thinking about that one. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough. Man, probably, probably Tedeschi Trucks Band. I just don't. They they just can't really do no wrong. Really, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, if you you know, of course, Derek's playing has changed so much since the it's from like Derek Trucks Band to now. But man, he's he always just like there's so much stuff that he could play. It's what he don't play that that's really really what makes them. And they've and through through them, I've I've got turned on to, to some music I probably wouldn't have been aware of as far as like uh, you know like uh, Latin jazz, uh, Afro beat, all, all that sort of thing. Yeah, man, great band. Susan's voice you just can't beat that. And then you know she's been playing a lot more guitar and doing a lot more solos and he's kind of allowing her to do that she's surprisingly good yeah yeah she's she's you know very talented on her own merits as with yeah. anybody in that in that band if, if you if you can play in that configuration you're you all right you know absolutely all right what's your favorite sports team man i don't you know do I'm i want <laughs> that's I'm okay that's sport not much of a sports guy. I threw a, see, I threw a curveball, Brian, this time. I, I asked a non-music question. <laughs> Steve would be the guy to talk to on talk to on that. He's a he's a big uh, big Patriots fan. Oh, really? Interesting. I see. I figured being what ninety minutes or so from Nashville, you guys would be like Nashville sports guys. Well, yeah, Kentucky's good. As far as the as far as the college stuff, or everybody right. everybody around here is, is is ate up with college basketball. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, with UK. All right, yeah. a little bit longer question. Give us a good story or a bad story, like one of your favorite stories from touring that you have. Oh man, there's oh man, there's so there's so many there's so many. 
let me let me think about that a second. What's what's something something good something good I can I can throw at now you. Now we've had parties where Marilyn Manson have been involved and Eminem at the same place. <laughs> we've had places people have walked in on orgies. So man, just throw whatever out you you got. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I tell you, one one of the coolest things that that we got to do was play um, Berg Herzberg Festival, and this is a festival in Germany, and it predates Woodstock by about two or three years, and they're they're still like hardcore sticking sticking with that with that atmosphere. So it was it, it was so amazing to us to play that festival not only to play it but we got got to see some really cool bands there as well we got to see UFO which was oh, nice. I thought I would never I yeah. would never get to see especially especially in that setting like in Germany it's like and it, everybody knew every inch of the material right. uh, if audience wise and then we got to see like Dole Brahma on the second Seven days, we're like, man, this this is amazing. But what what blows my mind about those festivals over there is how multi-genre it is. Like over here, you know, we get a little multi-genre, but over there, man, there was like there was uh, like the day started out with like you know Afrobeat, and then it moved on up to like we played, and then there was you know uh, classic rock bands there, like I said, the UFO, and then at night they were doing like uh, electronic music, and it's just amazing how it, accepting uh, the audience was of that. Because if you if you did that here in the states, you you would probably be getting some weird looks. But it was just mm-hmm. like it was kind of like order of the day over there. We're really, really, really fortunate to play for, play for those people. I, I can't I can't really describe how much energy they give because they just don't have Southern rock music over there. So when it does come to them, they're like, this is it. You know, they're, they're just so into it. It's uh, it really is amazing. Uh, of course, not, not to say anything bad about our, about our audiences here. Oh, America, sure, sure, but, sure. Uh, but they're, we're just, we, we become so, so numb to our own music, you know, to, to the point to, that bands like the, like the Rolling Stones had to make, you know, had to had to put you know Howlin' Wolf on TV over there before anybody would pay attention to him much over here. Kind of gave those guys like a, a second coming in their career. So I, I kind of still feel like that's that's going on too. And it's people just so hungry for that for that roots music. We've heard. I mean, Brian, that's been consistent too. And we've spoken to other bands who have done these European shows. That Boone, that's the exact same thing we hear from them. It's diverse. They have a much more appetite. They're really excited mm-hmm. about it. It's not yeah, so it's not so genreified right. or lyrics. Everything. Yeah. They love anything they're, and everything they can get. They're so reverent about it too, you know. Before the before the show starts, you know, they'll they'll go get them like two or three drinks because they don't want to lose their spot in the audience. And a lot of times they uh, we've had audiences that were so intently listening that they won't they won't clap until like the song is over and that's just like man it just it re- really blows us away because we're like yeah when we go back home we're going to be playing for uh, you know a hundred people you know and they're and it's just not it's just not the same the same feeling the same appreciation because I guess because you know southern rock bands are so tangible or over here in the states you know you can still easily see uh, ZZ Top. Skinner, uh, pick your favorite Southern rock band. They're they're more than likely still touring in some incarnation to where they really have to they really have to wait for it and, uh, and make an effort to go see that music over there. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, before I toss it back over to Brian, where can we listen to Otis's stuff? Buy merchandise? Buy coffee? Where can we, where can we just find out more about you guys? www.theotisband.com. There's all kinds of. They got the Planet Otis job on there. Got got the merch, and uh, there should be links to get you to to all the other stuff. Of course, we're on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon, all that all the all that stuff as well. But uh, www.theotisband.com will uh, get you where you need to go. Yeah, man. And again, I will say the coffee. If you like coffee. The coffee is really good. I'm a fan. I'm about ready to order another bag because I've just got through my first one. So go buy it. Uh, we're we're going to get you hooked now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank done. you, Boone, so much for being on. I've, we've wanted to get you on here for a while. And I, like I said, I, I'm kind of – I tend to be like a get to stuff like later on until it sinks into me. And, and your record is fantastic. Just absolutely oh, fantastic, so man. So I'm really, really, we're super appreciative of you being on, and uh, we can't wait to have you on again, hopefully in the future. And if you just want to hold on here, and then we'll chat a little bit after we're all done rolling. So thank you so much to Boone Froggett from Otis, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you all for having me. We just got talking, got done talking to uh, Boone Froggett from Otis. Uh, as always, the pleasure is all ours. Um, like I said in the intro, like to just his this musical knowledge and his just his passion for it is it's just mind boggling uh, how much he knows and, and just how how much he's into it. And, you know, he's talked about this friendship that that he's got, you know, with Greg from the Kentucky Headhunters, Greg Martin. So uh, that's very cool. And just uh, you talked about, you know, just the rural scene there. And I like the one story you had about, like, you'll just see, like, somebody's tour bus at the gas station down the road. Blackstone Cherry or whomever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he said, you know, growing up listening to those guys and listening to the Headhunters and and just, uh, you know, he talked about, you know, he let us know about um, Mojo Thunder Another right. young band from Kentucky. It's just, you know, it just, I can't get enough of this. They're Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I like those guys, too. They've got a little bit of that um, hard blues, almost like old ACDC on top of, like, the Southern Rock, which is, yeah. I mean, I think, right? like, Southern Governor-ish, too, who've had, right, I, exactly. I really dig that. And I Otis think that, that's where it sounds. Otis, it's, too, for sure. Yeah, they've kind of got, that's, like, some of their stuff. I'm like, wow, this is, like, like Southern Governor. So you we're seeing this heavier aspect of Southern rock or just almost like, I don't know, some sort of like ACDC, you know, Soundgarden-ish. Well, even like the, the 90s alt rock. So which, what's interesting to me is we're getting to talk to some of these young bands and knowing what generation they are. Like, so you and I were influenced by a lot of bands, 70s and 80s. The people we're talking to now are influenced by a lot of these '90s bands, and whether they're a blues rock or alt or a southern rock band, they have those elements of those '90s alt rock bands in them. And I think that's what we're hearing just be, just from that generation. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I love it. By the way, yeah, it's great. It's a nice evolution of that southern rock sound. It's including a little bit more of some of those harder edged uh, pieces to it. Yeah, and I just I can't wait to to hear some more of it. I can't either. You know, I know they're doing, I think they're looking forward, they say a, a drummer now and trying to piece stuff back together and uh, get some get some more management commitment to them. 
man, those guys are very talented. I like what they've done. I hope they, you know, they get the pieces of that band and get, get a good manager that's out there to help support them and get them back on the scene. Um, I, you know, I just, I would love to hear from them once they get through this pandemic. Yes, you are correct. You know, and also we want to give a shout out to Carrie Gates and help those guys on their social media. So thank you, Carrie. And to everybody else, always remember, Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.